It is high noon on a Friday, a little of a rainy Friday. All things have dried off here in the Red River Valley. A chance of some rain maybe this afternoon. We got some high school football, believe it or not. August 19th in North Dakota for some teams. And uh, on the North Dakota side, some 9-man, 11-B, even some 11-A as well. A little bit of history with the Horace Hawks. And much more here the Jack Michaels Show. Brad Anderson in studio. Let's, all right, I have to do the technological miracle. Derek Hansen, speaker piece. Hello. Derek, are you there? Well, if not, all right, we'll go to the phone. Jack Michaels is on the phone on his way to uh, on his way to Chicago. Hello there, sir. I, I'm here, Brad. I, uh, can you hear me? Can I can you hear, hear you. Now? Hi, Brad. How are you doing today? I'm good. Let's see. Derek, did we lose you? Uh, let's see here. Yeah. We'll try it oh, again here. We'll see if he can get connected, but... Uh, uh, Derek Hans was joining us as well. Where are you? Have you have you made it to Chicago? How far have you? Are you, I'm guessing somewhere about Wisconsin. Yeah, we are still in the land of uh, beer, cheese, and Harley Davidson. Uh, right, <laughs> we are still in that land right now too. But yeah, we're on the uh, our, our sturdy professional driver Jamie is chugging down the road, and uh, yeah, we're still in Wisconsin. We're not far out of Madison, okay. and it'll probably be in the Chicago. I don't know, probably early afternoon, mid afternoon, and. Get ready for new series at Chicago. Those red hot Red Hawks. How about that? Fetching a playoff berth. They didn't, you know, break pinatas and dance <laughs> down Broadway and pop all the champagne bread. But yes, it is something special. They they clinched the playoff berth last night. Yep, very very much the case. Derek, I think we reconnect. Derek, you are you with us? Yeah, we're having hard time. We're trying to get connected with uh, with Derek here via some technology, but uh, hopefully we'll get to him shortly. But, yeah, I, I was at the Red Hawks game for a little bit last night, and, uh, well, they just just up and down the lineup. And uh, it, it started with that first at bat, Jack. I thought Peter Maris, that was about an 8-9 pitch at bat. He kept falling off two strike pitches. He got a hit, and then just then, <laughs> then, then everybody got a hit. It seemed like 18 of them last night. It did. I, uh, not to plug a, a, a local fast food restaurant, but that was kind of the, what I like in the, the, the Wendy's game because – Every time I go through that, I, I usually order a double with cheese, by the way. So it was like the Red Hawks got into this this extra base hitting, you know, groove the last three games. It, it was pretty incredible. You know, they had, they had were like 14 extra base hits and 22 hits in the, in the previous two games. And then Pop and then Peter, as you said, got it all going last night with leadoff double and then, you know, a two-out double by Leo Pena and then, Peter doubles again, and then John Silviano doubles again, and it was just, again, it was like the Wendy's game. It was double, 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 a couple of singles, a couple of two-out hits, and then Tyler Grauer, uh, I think that, that, to me, last night was about, you know, I think the Red Hawks were up in that neighborhood of 6-1, to one, and Sioux Falls had loaded the bases, you know, and then that proverbial, you know, maybe trip to the mound, and then Kevin McGovern goes out, and, and Grauer, gets a big, uh, Grauer gets a big strikeout, then whenever you roll a ground ball to infield with less than two outs, you got a guy on, and Red Hawks can turn double plays, and, and uh, the, he gets a strike on a double play. And to me, that was pretty much the, uh, the the sign that the Red Hawks might be on the way to their seventh consecutive win, and indeed they were. And, you know, typical game of the ballpark, though, Brad. It found its way over three hours and got up uh, <laughs> at 3 a.m. this morning and loaded a bus for it and took off down the road. So, yeah, it's all good. Uh, proud of this team. I'll tell you, it's, it's you were there last night throwing out their ceremonial first pitch. 
Oh, the, uh, yeah, that was a. Uh, let me say that was. I want to. I will. I want to apologize for those in attendance. That was the. That was like the Emilio Pagan of first pitches. I'm really sorry. That was bad. <laughs> I caught. You know what? I was going to video it last night, <laughs> just seeing what the, the flamethrower from Elizabeth uh, was going to do. And I looked down at my score sheet. I was, I was doing some notes. I looked back up at the ball, and I already had made its way somewhere near home plate. And I, I thought, oh, I wonder if that. I wonder if were you trying to like. You know, was it a purpose pitch? Were you trying to send a message? Yeah, I, I wasn't really doing that. I, I, uh, uh, Mark Robinson, who's a, a friend of mine from Castleton's, uh, works as uh, the fans, uh, fan service, uh, you know, the, the ushers at the games, and he got a picture of me and said, geez, the form looks good, but, boy, the result was not the best. But uh, I'll see. I'll check on it. Derek, can, Derek, you picking us up okay? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Yeah. Okay, there we go. So Yeah, I don't know if my headphone cut out or what the deal was, but I can hear you just fine. So. Yeah, it's a nice, uh, kind of a weird, thick air day today with some clouds, and I'm just kind of watching that for the Twins game tonight more than anything else, right? So uh, first of four against the Texas Rangers, so we'll see if they can uh, we can uh, dodge any uh, thunderstorm possibilities today. So kind of keep that in mind. Yep, so there you go. So, yeah, it looks like uh, we had some rain overnight here in Fargo-Moorhead. There is a chance maybe some showers pop up, but I think if you're headed to a football game tonight, I think you're gonna be okay. You may say maybe just bring a, just bring a coat, an umbrella, or a poncho, or something. But I think you're gonna be all right. Yes, yeah, sweet. Well, it's, that, Brett. it's crazy. And Derek, uh, it's not uh, we, you know, because we, like I said, the Red Hawks started loading in the middle of the night, basically up towards the very early morning hours. And Anthony Reds gets on the bus and he goes, "Hey, how about those showers?" Well, we, I mean, it was just a deluge of rain as we were loading the bus. I mean, like something you'd see in the, the forest the jungle forest rain that was hitting the area so yeah we were all puddles going in but as you said brad hopefully your game tonight on friday night lights will be you know just nice fall cool kind of late summer night for football yep and uh they think pretty much all 9b in action tonight uh, some some interesting matchups we got lamar litchville marion the uh, state champs uh they're up in hope taking on uh, maple river that's the first game for the new co-op maple valley and hope page Another good one, Weinberg Lidgewood hosting Mayport CG. I'm curious to see the Horace Hawks will have their first varsity game. They're going to take on a Fargo North team that's got you know, very high expectations uh, after a pretty good run last year, uh, the semifinals, and then got bounced in the uh, semis by uh, Jamestown against the new program in Horace. Our game tonight, Central Cast will visit with Tommy Butler, head coach of the uh, Squirrels, coming up later on in the program. They've got some high expectations, huge numbers out there, about in the 60s for uh Players out in Castleton will visit with Tommy on that as they take on Oak Grove at Davies tonight. That'll be over on 104.7 FM uh, KFGO. And they say a lot of intriguing matchups. First week of the year, hardly, you know, August 19th in football. I'm not sure if we're all ready, but we will be by the time we uh, we get rolling <laughs> here. But as Derek and I have talked about in the past, Jack, that uh, North Dakota, there will be teams that have three games in before Labor Day and Minnesota will just be uh, just be getting it going. It, it doesn't quite balance out. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. And in Minnesota, they're going to school well into July, while North Dakota is spending time at the lake. Yes, that's that's how not true. That know. is not true. That's not how it works. We get done before Memorial Day every year, so it's just it's, wow. It's, yeah, I mean, it just don't take so many breaks during the winter season. That's that thing. I mean, so no, we we get done. We we start the day after Labor Day and get done before Memorial Day every year in my little school. Did uh, the the Strand yeah, put it like the perception? <laughs> Strand yeah, put his foot. Strand put his that. foot down on that, Derek, or what? Well, you know, 
He's pretty powerful on there, but there's uh, certainly uh, the school board and uh, the, the super kind of have a lot of say in that, too. So, yeah, it's uh, and, and there's no doubt uh, he's ready to go, though. You want to talk about a excited team, you know, after they're so close last year. And probably there's a lot of woulda, coulda, shoulda. I think there's a lot of excitement in my hometown of Barnesville, that's for sure. I think there always is, yeah. And I think uh, you look at 8AA and see if Holly bounces back, uh, you know, and, yep. and, and that's going to be, I know they play the last game of the regular season on that MEA week and Wednesday, too. So, um, well, Pelican Rapids is a scary team, too. You know, yeah, they, they, uh, got some, Timmy they got their numbers up again. Yeah, Timmy Guler back at quarterback. I had a chance to see him last year. I was very impressed. Yeah. What an athlete. Yeah, for let me sure. ask you, so that's... Let me throw this at you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, since it is uh, the opening of, of high school football. So if you played varsity football and you had a game tonight, you know, what was the best part of that? Or if you were a non-player, just a fan, whether you were in high school as a teenager, a non-player, or as a parent or as a general, what was the best part of uh, of Friday Night Lights, you know, as a player or as just a fan? I'll tell you this, at Cutting Field in Williston, what's happening right, what would be happening right now if there's a game tonight People would be lining their, their motor homes in the parking lot of the school behind one end zone. That wasn't that, that would be the thing right there. They'd park it out there early because then they'd come back tonight and then that's where their their, their little tailgate would be and going on that. Uh, the, the, for me, uh, you know, certainly it was uh well, it was, I'm not gonna lie to you, it was the popcorn, the snacks, and then <laughs> and then as a youngster not watching one play of a football game, I'd be in the practice end zone just throwing a Nerf ball around with my buddies. So what was that? That's the question that I'd have for you. What was the best part as a, as a non-varsity player or as maybe just a fan of Friday Night Lights? Throw that out today. Yeah, like that could be for anybody as well. Text uh, club is open, 35270, and just uh, text fan or 740, though we know it's directed at to us. I will say for me, because in, in Lisbon we had – uh, we don't. We used to play down at Sandacre Park, kind of down uh, one edge of town. Now they play out uh, kind of west of town, kind of up on the hill, just beyond the high school. So it's a little bit different. But for me, it was kind of that same way. My dad was. My dad was on the chain gang as as being a teacher. That was oh. one of the that was one of the added perks. He got to be the, the chain gang most Friday nights. <laughs> and yeah, that was like me too, because we had because we played baseball and football at uh, at Sandacre. So we'd be you know you know not heads like me would be running around playing football. On the on the on the infield <laughs> infield portion of getting scuffed up and you know skin arms right. and knees and things like that, but yeah, it was uh, those were those were good times. I mean, and I would say now as a uh, as a broadcaster, like you get, you know, I usually get there if it's a seven o'clock game, somewhere between five and five thirty, you get set up, and there's nobody there probably or very few people there, and then at six there's a few more, and six thirty, and then especially if you got a big right. game or something, then about six forty five seven o'clock, you start to hear the murmur of the crowd, and that just just watching everybody file in—that's uh, that. That to me is is uh, is neat. Yeah, it's uh, for me. It just when, that first time running out of the tunnel when they do the starting lineups, man. That that uh, that kind of gets the juices flowing there. I mean, that that, that was always fun. It had always been fun to be the first guy who gets to run through the old paper, you know, gold whatever, right? I mean, that's that, that was kind of cool. As long as you don't trip. Yes, right. Exactly. <laughs> You're setting the example there, right? Right. So. Uh, a couple of things for yeah, you guys. Yeah, a couple of things for you guys. Uh, we'll visit with Corey Provis here a little bit later on in the program. Talk some uh, twins. Corey back from vacation, and he as he comes back, they uh, sweep the Royals. We'll uh, touch on a variety of subjects with Corey there. Uh, Jack and I touched on this yesterday, Derek. I'd like your uh, your take on it on the Big Ten because you are a, a, a diehard Gopher fan. 
the seven-year media deal with Fox, NBC, and CBS, and just in time with uh, Southern Cal and UCLA to set to join the Big Ten, they are going to make some uh, serious quick bucks on this deal. Well, I think it's uh, it's interesting they're leaving ESPN. You know, that's kind of the interesting part about that, right? Mm-hmm. You know that that uh, that's been a long, long time deal. So that, but you know, and I think also I'm sure the folks in the SEC are looking at they're going really CBS, you say, right? So. You know, I guess the next play now is I'm guessing ESPN, ABC are going to just own the SEC. Would that be safe to say? I mean, I'm, I'm that's right. Go, I'm, yeah. I mean, I, and it would make some sense for all parties involved, and and I think you'll see a lot more SEC night games too on both ESPN and and ABC. So, you know, I think that's the one thing about it that you'll see the big change there, and that actually might be a good deal. And of course, by the you know the other little thing that's brought up in this too. By no coincidence, you know, 13 presidents talking about, which I've been calling for for about, what, 15 years, I think this is going to happen, that college football is no longer going to be a part of the NCAA, right? It's going to be the wild, wild west already right. more than it is with the name, image, and likeness. So it's it's more or less going to be minor league football, and just the schools are going to be the minor league teams, essentially. It always has been that way, but we're just totally ripping the band-aid off now the point that i made to, to jack yesterday in the program derek was that you know with minor league or major league baseballs you know has taken a lot of criticism for how they treat their minor league uh, affiliates and you know the players aren't getting paid enough and the, the lodging and things like that and they've tried to they've tried to right that wrong slowly but surely the nfl's got the greatest system in the world they basically have college football and it costs them next to nothing yep but, well basketball too for that matter that's right? true I mean, they, I mean, you know, they've had the D League or whatever, or the G League or whatever the heck they want to call it now. But let's face it, college basketball was pretty much their minor league system, and they didn't have to do a lot of that. It's a, it's a totally different world. That's all. I mean, it's just absolutely crazy to think how, the billions of dollars that have come to, to fruition now. But yeah, I think the interesting part now, if you're the Big Ten, because ESPN was such a, a platform for you. Going with Fox, CBS, and NBC, does that mean Notre Dame is going to say, hey, we what's going on with us now? Are they going right. to join the Big Ten? I mean, I think it's going to eventually be the Big 20. There'll be 20 teams in the SEC, and then the ACC maybe will try to gobble up, and we'll see what the uh, Big 12 and Pac-12 can put together, I guess. And then I would say, you know, with everybody, yeah, well, I say everybody, but those clamoring for NDSU to make a move up for maybe some of those high-level FCS schools, then that then that door maybe opens a little bit further. Do we agree or disagree on that? Well, I think my I've said this Jack many times. I think what's going to happen is when you see the the big boys, the college football playoff boys, break away from the NCAA, they'll have their own league. And I think the FCS and the rest of the FBS teams are going to have to figure out what they're going to do. Because let's face it, there's half and half knots in the FBS, and there certainly is half and half knots in the FCS. <laughs> I mean, and I think that might even be a bigger gap, right? And yeah, a lot of the teams in the FCS, yeah. they don't even want to be in the playoff. They do their own little bowl game like the Heritage Bowl. So I think that's what the NCAA has to do if they, if the big boys of college football leave is kind of get their you-know-what in order as far as what they want to do for the postseason because right now it's a joke. Yeah, you, uh, yeah. How, do you, how do you create that buzz for the, uh, the group that is not, you know, you've got your majors as we know. But that next level, and I saw Nick Saban talking about this also. I think he was on either Patrick or whatever, but uh, you, you get talking about what we're talking about here. And then, you know, pulling up, you know, one of those, you know, you know, is there a chance, opportunity out there for like the Boise States to come up in a tournament format? But it really is what Derek, what you're talking about, 
just that succession. Heck, the SEC was talking about having their own just own tournament for gosh sakes. You know, just yeah. we're just going to be our own. We're so big, but now you know the Big Ten certainly is challenging that. I do know this that you know are the are the dollars there for the other ones. Obviously, that when we're talking about billion dollar seven year contracts. Uh, with the television, this was just football we're talking about. I mean, look what basketball has done, uh, you know, with the contracts, with the with the NCAA tournament and all that. But $7 billion, seven-year contracts, and, you know, what NBC has and Fox and CBS, and obviously now with the SEC is going to have to have a, a very strong relationship with ESPN and ABC networks. You know, where does that leave the other ones as far as in terms of just revenue? Because, you know, these, these kind of – look at the money in the coffers of the Big Ten with this latest deal, for goodness sakes. I mean, my gosh, so so what does the next level do? How do they compete? How do they not compete, but how do they keep themselves in the forefront uh, uh, for those kind of revenue streams? Because we're really talking about revenue here, and, that, and that's what I look at. And where where's the FCS fit in? You know, what's that model? Is the FCS in a great spot because they've got a tournament in place, and as long as they can, you know, prevent maybe some teams from uh, continuing to leave, you know, do they, does, does the big and then the, you know, one double A, so to speak, become the best place to be and, and that gray area in the middle become the worst place to be in college football? That's a good question. I, I, I just think, you know, someone, it's, it just shows again the lack of leadership of the NCAA, right? I mean, Mark Emmert, I mean, that, that, that legacy, oh my heavens. I mean, outside of the basketball tournament making billions of dollars, but I think even the, you know, and that's lost a little bit of its luster, wouldn't you agree? And we don't know anything until we get into that tournament. We don't watch the regular season as much. But just how this has gone with football and how the runaway freight train has gone and how NIL and the, the transfer portal have just kind of made it the just an absolute crazy yeah. train. I, I, It's interesting. College sports, who knows what it's going to look like in 10 years. Very true. Jack Michaels? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yep, go ahead, Jack. Yeah, and to Derek's point, Brad, you know, but but on the basketball front, too, you know, we always talk about the word saturation, and, and now, and, and he's right, with, with the massive transfer pool, you know, and, and players leaving early and opting out to the NBA, so there's no guarantee you're going to see a, a young freshman phenom be there for four years in college basketball. So as big as that tournament still is, you know, there's still a, there isn't maybe as much as attachment as we had, you know, back in the days when Lorenzo Charles was taking an air ball and dunking it in and watching Jimmy Valvano run around. I mean, it still obviously has its, its monster, but, but you know, where is it going to be as we move forward? Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, and you just did it, it, it in down at this level here for the, the Summit League schools and things like that. Where does that, I mean, obviously, they, you just end up – I just think you end up kind of with, with the the NIL and things like that. You just end up you you have to almost re-recruit your players every year. Without question, without ask any college coach, yep. and that's uh, that's that's what that's what right now is very tough uh, to be a, a college, say basketball coach, right now for that matter, football too. But you nailed it, Brad. That's that, that, that in fact, I've had coaches tell me the word you just used, Brad, is what college coaches will tell you too. It's not just a to maintain and recruit and go get your, your freshmen and your blue chippers, but it's then re-recruit the existing players they don't leave. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a double-front battle mm-hmm. going on right now. 
Yep, very true. Uh, Corey Provost, just around the corner, we will have some more tickets to give away. We'll uh, have a little fun with that. We had uh, we had a good time with that. Five Finger Death Punch <laughs> and Brantley Gilbert. December 9th at the Alaris Center. You can win them before you can. Actually, I think you can start uh, buying tickets today, but you kind of win them before you buy, and we'll have a little fun with that uh, a little more towards the end of the show. And then, uh, yeah, we'll visit with uh, Tommy Butler as well from uh, Central Cass, Squirrels in Oak Grove via Squirrels. Uh, it's, it's it's fun to see what that program has done. Nine and two last year, and they said they've just got a ton of kids out, and they'll face an Oak Grove uh, squad tonight over at Davies, and that'll be our game to start over on 104.7. Uh, KFGO as well. Jack, we'll let you go. Uh, Red Hawks here on the fan tonight against the uh, kind of the slumping Chicago Dogs. They're kind of they're kind of fighting to stay at the top of the East Division of the uh, association. But that'll be uh, pregame tonight about six forty or so. Yep, that sounds right. Uh, first pitch at, at at seven. Yeah, the Dogs they had dropped ten. They've won a couple. And I just want to clarify this, Brad. Yes, because I can't win the five finger death punch tickets. Right, you are well, you are not eligible. Sorry. I'm not eligible. Okay, Derek can't win them. Nope. So someone has no. a listener. I like to okay, go. I wanted to. <laughs> See, and I like about this yeah, too. We'll and then, for... yes. And just and just the disclaimer, uh, just the disclaimer. Yes, these are electronic tickets, and uh, we'll be getting those shortly. We haven't got them yet, but we'll get them from the. Uh, uh, here shortly, and then we will get uh, get those out to you. So just keep that in mind for today. We are in the Gunderson uh, Studios. OMG, Oh My Gunderson's here in the Jack Michael Show, 740 The Fan. Now, Jack, anything else before we uh, we send you on your way? Oh, it's all good. Uh, tonight we're getting wiggy with it. Paid Wigginson on the mound, <laughs> free game 640, first pitch 7 o'clock, impact field. If the players uh, who've had a long 24 hours here, I'm sure the Hawks will be business-like again tonight. So tune in, Derek. Uh, safe travels back from Minneapolis. Brad, thanks for holding the fort down, and I love saying this. I'll hang up and listen. I love your show. (laughs) All right, very good. Thank you. It's your show, by the way. We're just uh, (laughs) we're just warming the seat. So, all right, have a good one. All right, all right, all right. Brad in studio. Derek Hansen uh, out uh, out and about as well. And uh, actually, let's uh, before we get to a break, uh, you were down at uh, Vikings training camp yesterday, and. I always wonder on those scrimmages because some of those in the past have gotten kind of nasty. There's gotten some fights, and uh, I did see one uh, social media post kind of Garrett, Garrett Bradbury mixed it up with uh, one of the 49ers, but uh, was yeah. there was there some intensity there at uh, TCO? Well, it wasn't at the level of the Patriots and Panthers from all the reports right. there, so that's the good news. But, uh, no, it was actually pretty chill. There was a couple scrimmages. That's bound to happen. I mean, I think everything went pretty well. I mean, I – it was pretty impressive. Uh, you know, I thought the fact the Vikings brought the Marshall football team there with Trey Lance there it was pretty classy. It, it was, uh, there are a lot of kids on the sidelines of that media member. I've never, I don't remember seeing that many kids with guest passes, but uh, it was quite a sight. And, uh, you know, that, that really is, I think, the thing to watch. If they have a joint practice at TCO Performance Center, I highly recommend that. You know, going back to the days of the Chiefs coming to Mankato, that was always the best, I thought. Or if the Vikings went to River Falls, that always seemed to be the best type of practice for me. And now that Kevin O'Connell, he kind of said it in the press conference. They made sure. They said, you're out here. You're going back to the locker room getting fine if you throw a punch. So, And so there was something that Garrett Bradbury didn't get thrown out. Maybe, I, maybe they just didn't think him of as a threat or what. But And so, no, it went pretty well. It, it was really fun to watch. It was fun to watch Trey Lance kind of go through everything under some pressure. Obviously, seeing his athleticism, um, you know, it, I got the chance to catch up KJ Osborne. He and Kirk Cousins really seem to be in sync so far. It's hard to tell in a scrimmage type of situation, but that's a good news because they need a third wide receiver in this offense. I don't think there's any doubt about that. So yeah, there's a lot of good battles going on right now. It sounds like Ed Ingram, they really like him at 
you know, right guard, which is good because yeah. you know, that, that, that's, you know, the guard position along with this, you know, I think we feel good about the tackles, right? With O'Neill and, and Darasaw, it's just the, uh, the, the middle part of that belly is what's a little, little squishy sometimes. Yeah. Is it, uh, is it, there's the rumors they might make a move at center, but I don't know around the, with the cap and everything else, if that would be doable. Well, no, and Reed is, you know, I think they like that Reed kid to actually challenge him, but he got hurt. So he's been out. So I think that's kind of what they're hoping for. So, it's probably uh, Bradbury's to lose, and maybe uh, you know if they got Ingram next to him, maybe he can help them out a little bit. All right, we'll take a break. Come back with more. We're live from the Gunderson Studios. Jack Michaels, Brad Anderson in studio, and Derek Hansen on the road. Back with more on the fan. We'll visit with Corey Provost. Talk Twins baseball next. I'm going to talk some Twins with the radio voice of the Minnesota Twins, Corey Provis. And, uh, well, Corey, you uh, you come back from vacation. A frustrating trip out in, uh, in California, just the way the Angels series ended. But I will give the Twins credit. It just seems like every time things are about ready to maybe go off the rails, they bounce back and uh, some pitching and some timely hitting and uh, it turns into a three-game sweep, and they're right back in the thick of things. Yeah, they, they played well this week uh, against Kansas City. And you look back at what went wrong. On the, on the West Coast, well, the, the pitching was poor and the, the lack of clutch hitting just wasn't there. And then you look at what you know the Twins did this week. You know Tyler Malley had to leave his start early, but you know with Joe Ryan going into the sixth inning on Monday, Sonny Gray into the seventh inning on Tuesday, and the amount of uh, clutch hitting uh, that we saw from the Twins, it was not a, a series that was you know that was dominated by home runs it was putting the ball in play singles and doubles and and that defined I saw a safety squeeze the other day I mean that defined how the twins were able to score these runs and so they just can't sit back and, and always rely on the home run ball and I thought they played just a really really good series and the job the bullpen did specifically Caleb Theobar who remains one of the better stories I think in the game that doesn't get much notoriety even though it should um, he has become such uh, such a weapon uh, out of the bullpen right now, and uh, we saw why, you know, certainly Monday and Tuesday. I want to get back to uh, to Caleb Thielbar. It's a very good point in a moment, but I was wondering that too. What the percentage was? I know early in the year it was really high of the Twins runs via home runs, and I guess that was kind of nice to see for a team that doesn't exactly steal a lot of bases, maybe aren't real aggressive on the base paths. To kind of do, kind of go back to the small ball way of doing things was, uh, I don't know, I, I really appreciated it. Yeah, I mean, it's still home run. You need home runs. I mean, otherwise, I mean, Kansas City, you know, go back the last couple of years, they were always leading the pack in stolen bases, uh, but they didn't score runs. You know, they, that, that did not always translate into one of the top five run-scoring teams in the game. You still need slugging you still need um you know ops that those those numbers do have weight and they matter with overall run production um so that to me is still going to be important and the twins have played better at home i think they're nine games over right now at home now even though i believe they're scoring more runs per game on the road than they are at home which is kind of odd considering their their home record this season uh but it, it is a lineup that 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 does have home run pop up and down the lineup. Uh, some have done better than others, uh, but you know, seeing what Jose Miranda is doing right now, seeing what Nick Gordon's doing right now, those are two guys. You know, when the season started, I didn't know that would would be really helping to carry the load here in August offensively. 
Miranda, the, the former minor league player of the year, and he's been he's put his name in the rookie of the year conversation right now. And then Nick Gordon, just a, another great story, a guy that weighed 155 pounds, spring training 2021. He's up to about 183, 185 right now. So he's finally healthy. This is the, the best he has felt physically, he told me, in about five years. And it's just it's a really good to see a former first-round pick that, that easily could have given up, easily could have said, I tried it, my body just wouldn't let me compete, wouldn't let me play. And he said, forget that, I'm motivated, I can do it, and, and look what he's doing right now. It's a great story. Back to the bullpen and Caleb Theobar, just the fact that they don't have a lot of lefties. Uh, Coolum was out for the year. Moran's been up and down. Just the, the steadying presence of a veteran guy that was, you know, with the Twins, got out of baseball, was going to be a pitching coach in college baseball and back. And, yeah, you're right. That story doesn't get enough pub, but it's uh, he has been probably one of the most effective relievers. If you kind of go to the food chain of the, the Twins bullpen, he's got to be up towards the top of the list. You know, he's been among the better relievers with inherited runners in the game this year. I mean, he just has not allowed many inherited runners to score. And if you're going to be in that fireman role that just kind of put things out middle part of the game, you either have to do it in two ways. Either you miss bats, you strike out hitters, or you have a sinker ball and you induce ground balls. And Bar is more the first than the latter. He has a really high strikeout rate, and his fastball in, in, the, in the low to mid-90s mixed in with his breaking ball that he can throw as low as 69, 70 miles an hour. So there is just that gap that uh, the hitters have a hard time seeing. And so a confident guy right now and a guy that Rocco was leaning on uh, for this role. And it worked out with the Royals being as left-handed dominant as they were. That won't always be the case. There's going to see more balance, so... It will be challenged, I think, more this weekend, you know, going up against some good left-handed and right-handed batters in, in, what the, in what the Rangers have. And it's a lineup that gave the Twins fits uh, in Arlington before the All-Star break. They've gone through a managerial change, the Rangers have, but uh, I know you mentioned that when they were uh, uh, the Twins played them down in Texas. It's a, uh, it's a very good lineup and maybe uh, an underrated lineup. I mean, Corey Seager, was, he, was, he should have been like walked every time. I mean, they, they, he couldn't. The Twins couldn't keep him in the ballpark, and then Semyon had a good series. Adolis Garcia was not, you know, he, he didn't have the best series. Uh, he wasn't the guy that that uh, that did all the damage. But it, but it's it's a it's a strong lineup. You know, Martin Perez has had a good year. Twins had success against him, though the former Twin uh, in a start uh, before the All Star break as well. But but Texas right now has a lot going on on the field, off the field. The, the, the manager's gone. You know, president of baseball operations, John Daniels is gone. So this is a this is a team in transition right now, trying to see where it's going to go. They spent so much money in the offseason uh, to up to just overhaul their roster. They thought they would be more competitive, and it just has not worked out. Yeah, Seager and, and Simeon in the lineup, but it's not so much if you how much money you spend, it's kind of how wisely you spend it. I kind of go back to what the Twins did in nineteen, guys like Scope and Nelson Cruz. It's just kind of putting putting the right guys in place, and that just didn't happen in Texas. Yeah, I mean, they don't have that same. I think that the TV deal that, that the Rangers have is a big reason why. New ballpark, of course, that helps too. There's always that, that, that flush of new, of new money uh, when you open up a new ballpark that I think all those factors played into the time to go out and, and, and be aggressive and sign. You know, some big-time players to big-time dollars. And, uh, yeah, it just, you know, in the, you, you thought going into the year that, the Astros were going to be the team to beat. 
you know, Seattle got off to such a bad start, and Texas is struggled in one-run games, and that's really Texas's season right now. If you look, Brad, at their at their record in one-run games, it would it it blow you away because if they just were on the other side of those one-run games, we're talking about a contending team. We're probably talking about no managerial changes or front office changes. But just these one-run games, the amount of one-run games and how often they've lost those one-run games has really defined their season. Twins come in. Max Kepler uh, seemed to bounce back well. Boy, he uh, we came back. I'm sure he's still kind of playing hurt with that injured uh, with that injured uh, foot and started to uh, show some life, some good swings in the uh, Royal Series. Corey, good week for Max. Needed that. I mean, over his last what 29 entering the homestand, and then came up with a three-hit game on on Monday. And uh, you know, he changed the look. Uh, he cut his hair. I'm not sure if that was the only reason why, but. <laughs> You know, I, I, it's been frustrating because they need him, and they just need him. He's an elite defender and right, but the bat just has not been what we thought it was going to be. I mean, we got spoiled watching him in 19 uh, when he should have been an all-star. I mean, he was that good in 19. He was certainly an all-star snub, and then he had that odd upper back injury that they really could not get a grasp on uh, that, that kind of shut him down the last month, month and a half of 19. And then 2020, 2021, he's had his moments. And uh, but just not not what we thought it would be. He just hits the ball on the ground too much. Um, he's a guy that we'll see, you know, a four man outfield. He's a guy that I think when the shift goes away, mm-hmm. I think his numbers will jump. I think he's a guy in terms of his batting average and ball and play. We'll see a big jump uh, if the shift indeed goes away uh, come 2023. Has that been finalized about some of the finer details about, you know, infielders are going to be playing in the outfield and they've got to stay on their side of the infield? Has that all been finalized? It has not. Nope, that's all. That's all still, you know, being discussed. Uh, but I would be, I would be surprised. I, I think the two things that will come into play next season will be the pitch clock and I think the shift is gone. I don't know if we'll see the the, the, the bases, uh, the size of the base increase. I don't think that's going to happen, uh, even though that's been they're doing that in the minor leagues right now. But I, I'd be surprised if 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 the pitch clock. I think that number one is going to happen. I think the shift. There's still some debate to be had about that, but I think the pitch clock will be in play next season. And uh, again, I my my belief right now could be wrong is that uh, the shift uh, will be will be banned uh, in the game come 2023. Some encouraging news on Tyler uh, Malley had to leave early on Wednesday but just a little bit of little bit of fatigue there in the arm and shoulder and uh, I guess no timetable on when he will return but right now it doesn't appear he will head to the injury list. I mean I think the next 24 to 36 uh, 48 hours are, are vital here for him to see if he can get back on the mound throw a bullpen. Uh, maybe plays catch today, or maybe they hold off for one more day. His next turn would be on Tuesday night in Houston. Um, so, in order for that to happen, he's going to have to throw a bullpen here, you know, this weekend. And if he does that, then the Twins dodge the bullet. If he's able to throw a bullpen, the velocity is good, and he's able to throw his pitches, then that's fantastic news. So we should get a better read on this. Uh, you know, I would think by by Sunday afternoon that Malley is able to throw his bullpen. Uh, this weekend, and that start in in in, uh, in Houston for Tuesday night looks promising. Yeah, sure. That timetable, first of thirteen straight games before you get another off day, September first. So yeah, they've got to make a they've got to make a decision here pretty quick. And if not, they've got a you know, corresponding move, perhaps. 
Yeah, it doesn't sound like Josh Winder or, or Bailey Ober are options right now. That uh, they're they're not ruling those guys done for the year, but they're still down in Florida, uh, you know, throwing, working. But I, I don't get any sense that those guys are going to be able to help out immediately. So then you look at, you know, do they? Is Cole Sands a guy that that is stretched out enough to to, to make that start? Do they go back to Devin Smeltzer? Um, you know, it, so they have some, they're going to have some Aaron Sanchez is a guy too, that I think would maybe get a look. Uh, they'd have to find a 40 man spot for him, but I think they could, I think they could find that. I think there's some guys that are out right now that they could move to the 60, uh, in order to make that happen. But I, I would not, I would not rule out Aaron Sanchez too, as a guy to, to maybe come back and then, and, and earn another start as a twin. If, if Malley can't go on Tuesday. Well, we got that uh, trip to Houston sandwich in there as well. But Rangers, Giants, Red Sox, uh, teams that have uh, really have underachieved a little bit. And again, at home, Twins got to uh, Twins got to make hay with the sunshine. In. Good home record, nine games over at home. And you're right, the the record of the opponent, you know, looks promising here because September is going to be a gauntlet with the amount of times the White Sox, the Guardians are involved. Then I think the most telling week. I think the most telling week will be in September. The Twins have seven straight games, three in Chicago against the Sox, then four at Yankee Stadium. Those seven games, I think, are going to really define how the the middle to later part of September looks, how they fare during that seven-game run, because that could be something where they they, they hang around because they, they, they didn't lose all seven and they were competitive, or if they do lose six out of seven, then that could be almost game, set, match. So that's coming up in September. So until you get to that difficult stretch, now's the time to pounce on some teams that have had disappointing seasons. Corey, appreciate it. Uh, thanks for the time as always, and uh, have a great call this weekend. Thanks, Brad. All right, Corey Provis, radio voice of the Minnesota Twins, Twins and the Texas Rangers, a wraparound four-game series Friday through Monday tonight over on 790 KFGO. And that'll be a 6.30 pregame 7.10 first pitch over on 104.7 High School Football tonight, Central Cass and Oak Grove. Let's give away some tickets. We'll do that on the other side of the break. Jack Michael show live from the Gunderson Studios. Five Finger Death Punch and Brantley Gilbert. We'll have a little fun with that coming up in a moment. Jack Michael show continues on. Jack on the road with the FM Red Hawks. I'm Brad Anderson. Common man coming up here in just a few minutes. But uh, it's time to give away some tickets as uh, Five Finger Death Punch and Brantley Gilbert will be at the Alaris Center in Grand Forks coming up on December the 9th. There's there's a reason why we played this song here. So let's go to the phones and Gary, you're with us. Hello. And your question here is this. Um, Ready to go? I'm trying. Okay, here's the question. So the Song we played in coming back from break was Five Finger Death Punch, House of the Rising Sun. That is a cover uh, from a song back or well, from the, a song back in the about the mid '60s. What group originally sang House of the Rising Sun? Gary's thinking. Gary still there? I think we lost Gary there, but that's. I just. Uh, you're thinking. I don't know. Uh, you don't know that one. Well, Mid six. Okay, I'll give you one clue. Mid sixties group started with the letter A. Mid sixties group started with the letter A. Ah, it's not helping. Not helping. All right. Well, that's that's it. So, How about it, the animals. 
That is it. It is. Eric Burton and the Animals. Yeah, I believe 64 is when that song was out there. But, yes, that is uh, that is the case. Uh, the Animals. So we've got yourself a pair of tickets. Hang on uh, hang on the line here for just a second. And i got to get, get some information. No yep, I'll get, to ins- uh, get some information from you here, okay? Yep, thank you. All right, hang on. 237-3767-1888-458-6926. We've got some more trivia as well. If you would like to go see that show coming up December 9th, Five Finger Death Punch and Brantley Gilbert phone lines open now, 237-3767 or toll-free 1-888-458-6926. The phone lines are open on that. So uh, take a look at some other notes, see if uh, Derek is back with us. Derek, you there? Yeah. All right. So I yeah. am, you know. The animals is a was a right answer for the sixties one you said. I just saw a documentary about that song. Yeah. That thing goes back to like the late eighteen hundreds in New Orleans. Isn't that weird? Kind of creepy. Yeah, I have and seen that a, as well. It, that is really something else. But yeah, the animals made it a huge hit. Yep, no doubt so, about that. And then and Five Finger Death One's really done some good covers as well. And that's one of yeah. them too, the House of the Rising Sun. Let's go back to the uh, phones. Uh caller. You'd like to you'd like to chance to win some tickets. Hello there. All right, who do we got? What's your first name? Trevor. Trevor? Yep. All right, uh, let's go to this one here. This is kind of sports-related, but it relates to the number five. There have been many great athletes who have worn the number five. You think of Joe DiMaggio, Brooks Robinson, uh, to name a few. Baseball player who wore the number five once blew up after having a home run disallowed because of too much of a particular substance on his bat. Do you remember who that was? Ooh. George Brett. Right on. That is yeah, exactly it. Yeah. yeah, it was the infamous Pine Tar game in 1983 at uh, Yankee Stadium. So yeah, you've got yourself a pair of tickets. Hang on, we'll uh, I'll get your information here. I'll put I'll put you on hold and get some information from you. And again, these are electronic tickets. They'll be coming via uh, via email as well. So uh, hang tight on that. So all right, let's. Awesome. Uh, yep. But uh, thanks uh, thanks for listening. So. All right, well, we'll continue on here. Twelve forty-seven. We'll continue on. We got a chance uh, here with uh, to visit with Tommy Butler, head football coach of the Central Cast Squirrels. Central Cast uh, solid season a year ago, nine and two, one of their best seasons in recent memory. And uh, coach, it's one thing to to improve yourself and get to a certain point. It's one thing to stay there, isn't it? A hundred percent. I mean, that's that is the goal. You know, we've we've I think we've done a great job of building something here. Um, you know, our coaching staff has been tremendous with that, um, but. But yeah, it's it's this group of guys is is ready to you know make that big step. I mean, making the playoffs was was nice right away, you know. But but we want to we want to make a run. And last year, you know, have we had some really really good players, but you know, losing in that quarterfinal round was uh, you know that was a tough pill to swallow for some of those guys. Um, so you know, we're learning from what those guys did. But you know, this year's a new year. It's a different team. We're we're not going back to you know. As much as we love those guys that we had last year, we're not trying to replace them or or, or be them. You know, we're we're a different team. We're we're a completely different team of of how we're going about it. So, you know, as much as we love those guys, they're great leaders. You know, we're 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 looking we're looking onto this season and trying to make a a, a stamp for 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 who this team will be. Not not trying to be somebody of, of years past. Owen Wiersma made the step from a sophomore to, to junior and established himself, honestly, as one of the best running backs probably in uh, 11B. 
Um, does your philosophy on offense change? Uh, do, you, do you become maybe a little more run heavy, or what's? Uh, and we'll we'll talk about this. The, you know the the change of quarterbacks coming up here as well. But does that your philosophy change a whole lot just because of that? You know, I, I would say one. He's a, he's an absolute stud. Um, you know, he's gotten a little bit bigger. He's he's a lot faster than what he was last year. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how how that guy is. But but I would say the the bigger philosophy change is just you know our 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 guys up front. As much as a stud as he is, you know having having the guys up front that have now played together. You know, four fifths of them are coming back. Um, you know, we have a new guy stepping in, Kemper Pearson, who's done a great job. You know, those guys want to run the ball. We want to be physical. We want to get downhill on teams. Um, you know, that's not to say that we, we won't throw the ball or we're just going to, you know, run it 50 times and throw it once. Um, you know, but, but again, having a, having the, I, I think, you know, like you said, I mean, best running backs in, in 11B, I think he could be one of the best running backs in, in any level um, in the state. Um, so, you know, trying to make sure you get him the ball, um, you know, and even his running back, I think, or his backup is a is really good player, and Isaac Wisniewski as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, th- those guys will get some really meaningful carries. But, but yeah, we're we're gonna, you're going to see some of the same stuff that we've done in the past. But, but we definitely want to, uh, you know, get him the ball and 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 again play behind our 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 big fast O line. At change at quarterback, you had a good one with Brendan Majo, who uh, worked around some knee problems and a really nice senior season. And uh, you had a decision make at uh, at quarterback. You had two very capable guys. Yeah, we had uh, uh, Braden Mitchell and Carter Majo that were battling it out. Honestly, all the way back in May, you know, we talked to him about it, and and you know, Brad, I can't I can't give enough praise to those kids the way that they handled the situation. Um, you know, Braden will end up being our starter, but the way those kids competed, you know, we met with them, and and it was again, you you couldn't you couldn't have asked two grown mature adults to handle that situation any better than, than these two 17, you know, 17 year old kids did. Um, you know, they're what we told Carter, you know, he's, you know, it, it's a true one, a one B like if, if Carter has to come into a game, we're not, we're not sweating it. You know, he can make all the throws. He can do all the same things that, that, uh, you know, that Braden can do. Um, you know, Braden's just a really, really dynamic runner. Um, he's pretty electric with the ball, but you know I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Carter, you know, come in for a series or two here. Um, you know, he's just too good of an athlete to not get on the field. So, um, you know, Carter will play somewhere. Um, you know, either being a little bit at quarterback or, or seeing him playing, you know, some receiver tight end stuff. But again, th- those guys have been have been outstanding. Um, you know, Braden's really kind of come into his own. Uh, you know, happened to you know throw the ball a little bit more than what he was what he did kind of over at uh hope page but mm-hmm. you know he's picked up the offense well um and again we're not asking him to again be be somebody that's going to throw it 40 times a game if he has to i think he can do it but you know that's not what we want to do offensively you know we want him to to you know make those easy throws get out on the run a little bit uh move around in the pocket um you know just be an athlete back there and and, and make some of those throws uh, defensively, you bring uh, a lot of guys back. There's some uh, some good guys uh, on the front line with Crochet and uh, and Haugen and some good set of linebackers. Uh, what spots did you have to fill in in the uh, on the defensive side of the ball? Um, you know, we we ended up playing. Um, you know, last year we we rotated some guys in, like you said. But you know, we're coming back with a lot of. I mean, we'll we'll probably play eight or nine D linemen um, in this opening game um, that are 
not a really good, like you said, Crochet's a, a stud. He has a chance, I think, to break our school's sack record as a junior um, for a career. So he, he's a he's a stud. Um, Ryan Stafford's been in – he's just a menace right now in, in practice. He's been killing some of our drills because he's, he's just a really, really good player for us. But our big thing was filling our back end, you know, losing Deutsch, Ellison, and um, – and and Frosty with Newski, those guys are you know three year starters back there for us. So losing those guys is, was was tough. But again, our, our, the growth that we've had from that back end, um, you know, Cooper Johnson started last year. He'll he'll play safety again. Um, Josiah Crandall and Chase Bachmeyer and Peyton Lamar and Jaden Michaels will all kind of rotate in that corner, and then um, Braden Mitchell and and uh, and Jake Thompson will kind of rotate in, rotate in at safeties. Um, so again, we have pieces that you'll see, you know, different series, there'll be different guys in there. And again, it's not because we, we can't make a decision. It's, we truly do have a one, a one B type thing at a lot of positions where, you know, it's, it's not a, Oh my gosh, you know, please don't ever throw the ball over there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, we want to keep as many guys fresh as we can, um, you know, on both sides of the ball. So you'll see a ton of guys playing there. Uh, Marcus Bifford comes back as our, as our leading tackler coming back. Uh, playing that inside backer, him and Kate OT, Kate Olson Tinglestead uh, were starters for us last year, so they're playing a bunch. And then um, Owen Weersma was did, didn't really play much defense this year, but uh, he's going to be playing some linebacker for us, and uh, he's an absolute force out there. So we have, like I said, we have a lot of guys. I mean, we, there might be 30, 40 guys that we rotate in um, in a game. So we have a ton of depth, and we're gonna we're gonna use it to our best of our ability. Tommy Butler, head coach of the uh, Central Cast Squirrels, is yeah the uh, Oak Grove Grovers and Central Cast. That game is at Davies High School tonight. That'll be uh, over on 104.7 KFGO FM, and you can uh, listen to it. Uh, you can find the live stream on the quick links at KFGO.com. And if you can't make it out there, and I guess a good luck to your favorite team tonight if they're out there checking out some high school football and uh, much more as well. Thanks to Jack. Thanks to uh, Derek Hansen. Thanks to Corey yep. Provis and uh, all our uh, all our guests as well. Jack Michael Show back uh, on Monday. Jack will be back from uh, from Chicago. Derek, thank you. And uh, safe travels back here as well. Derek Hansen checking out uh, Vikings training camp yesterday. For Derek, Jack, thanks for listening as well. Thanks to our ticket winners. Common Man's next. Have a good weekend.